Chapter 12 of Pitts Caspian Sorcery and Sudden Vengeance Meanwhile, Trumpkin and the two boys arrived at the dark little stone archway which led into the inside of the mound, and two sentinel badgers, the white patches on their cheeks were all Edmund could see of them, leaped up with bared teeth and asked them in snarling voices, Who goes there? Trumpkin, said the dwarf, bringing the high king of Narnia out of the far past. The badgers nosed at the boys' hands. At last, they said, at last. Give us a light, friends, said Trumpkin. The badgers found a torch just inside the arch, and Peter lit it and handed it to Trumpkin. The DLF had better lead, he said. We don't know our way about this place. Trumpkin took the torch and went ahead into the dark tunnel. It was a cold, black, musty place with an occasional bat fluttering in the torchlight and plenty of cobwebs. The boys, who had been mostly in the open air ever since that morning at the railway station, felt as if they were going into a trap or a prison. I say, Peter, whispered Edmund, look at these carvings on the walls. Don't they look old? And yet we're older than that. When were we last here? They hadn't been made. Yes, said Peter, that makes one think. The dwarf went on ahead and turned to the right and then to the left and then down some steps and then to the left again. Then at last they saw light ahead, light from under a door. And now for the first time they heard voices, for they had come to the door of the central chamber. The voices inside were angry ones. Someone was talking so loudly that they approached the boys and the dwarf had not been heard. Don't like the sound of that, whispered Trumpkin to Peter. Let's listen for a moment. All three stood perfectly still on the outside of the door. You know well enough, said a voice. That's the king, whispered Trumpkin. Why the horn was not blown at sunrise this morning? Have you forgotten that Moraz fell upon us almost before Trumpkin had gone and we were fighting for our lives for the space of three hours and more? I blew it when I first had a breathing space. I'm not likely to forget it, came the angry voice. When my dwarfs bore the brunt of the attack and one in five of them fell, that's Nickabrek, whispered Trumpkin. For shame, dwarf, came a thick voice. Truffle hunters, said Trumpkin. We all did as much as the dwarfs and none more than the king. Tell that tale your own way for all I care, answered Nickabrek. But whether it was the horn was blown too late or whether there was no magic, magic in it, no help has come. You, great clerk, you master magician, you know all. Are you still asking us to hang our hopes on Aslan and King Peter and all the rest of it? I must confess, I cannot deny it, that I am deeply disappointed in the results of the operation, came the answer. That'll be Dr. Cornelius, said Trumpkin. To speak plainly, said Nickabrick, your wallet's empty, your eggs addled, your fish uncaught, your promises broken. Stand aside then and let others work. And that is why the help will come, said Truffle Hunter. I stand by Aslan. Have patience. Like us beasts, the help will come. It may even now at the, be now at the door. Pah, snarled Nickerbrick. You badgers would have us wait till the sky falls and we can all catch larks. I tell you, we can't wait. Food is running short. We lose more than we can afford at every encounter. Our followers are slipping away. And why, asked Truffle Hunter, I'll tell you why, because it is noised among them that we have called on the kings of old and the kings of old have not answered. The last words Trumpkin spoke before he went and went most likely to his death were, 
If you must blow the horn, do not let the army know why you blow it or what you hope from it. But that same evening, everyone seemed to know. You'd better have shaved your grouse snout in a hornet's nest, Badger, than suggest that I am the blab, said Nickabrick. Take it back or... Oh, stop it, both of you, said King Caspian. I want to know what it is that Nickabrick keeps on hinting we should do. But before that, I want to know who those two strangers are whom he has brought into our council and who stand there with their ears open and their mouths shut. They are friends of mine, said Nickabrick, and what better right have you yourself to be here than that you are a friend of Trumpkins and the Badgers? And what right has that old dotard in the black gown to be here except that he is your friend? Why am I to be the only one who can't bring in his friends? His majesty is the king to whom you have sworn allegiance, said Truffle Hunter sternly. Court manner manners. But in this hole, we may talk plainly. You know, and he knows, that this Telmarine boy will be king of nowhere and nobody in a week unless we can help him out of the trap in which he sits. Perhaps, said Cornelius, your new friends would like to speak for themselves. You there, who, and what are you? Worshipful master doctor, came a thin, whining voice. So please you, I'm a poor old woman, I am, and very obliged to his worshipful worship for his friendship. I'm sure... His majesty, bless his handsome face, has no need to be afraid of an old woman that's nearly doubled up with the rheumatics and hasn't two sticks to put under her kettle. I have some poor little skill, not like yours, Master Doctor, of course, in small spells and cantrips that I'd be glad to use against our enemies if it was agreeable to all concerned, for I hate him. Oh, yes, no one hates him better than me. That is almost interesting and er satisfactory, said Dr. Cornelius. I think I know now what you are, madame. Perhaps your other friend, Nickerbrick, would give some account of himself. A dull, gray voice, at which Peter's flesh crept, replied, I'm hunger. I'm thirst. Where I bite, I hold till I die. And even after death, they must cut my, up my mouthful from my enemy's bodies and bury it with me. I can fast a hundred years and not die. I can lie a hundred nights on the ice and not freeze. I can drink a river of blood and not burst. Show me your enemies. And it is in the presence of these two that you wish to disclose your plan, said Caspian. Yes, said Nickerbrick, and by their help that I mean to ex execute it. There was a minute or two during which Trumpkin and the boys could hear Caspian and his two friends speaking in low voices, but could not make out what they were saying. Then Caspian spoke aloud. Well, Nickerbrick, he said, we will hear your plan. There was a pause so long the boys began to wonder if Nickerbrick were ever going to begin. When he did, it was in a lower voice, as if he himself did not much like what he was saying. All said and done, he muttered, none of us knows the truth about the ancient days of Narnia. Trumpkin believed none of the stories. I was ready to put them on to the trial. We tried first the horn and it has failed. If there ever was a high King Peter and Queen Susan and a King Edmund and a Queen Lucy, then either they have not heard us or they cannot come or they are our enemies. Or they are on the way, put in Truffle Hunter. You can go on saying that till Miraz has fed us all to his dogs. As I was saying, we have tried one link in the chain of old legends and has done us no good. Well, but when your sword breaks, you draw your dagger. The story tells of other powers besides the ancient kings and queens. What if we could call them up? You, 
If you mean Aslan, said Truffle Hunter, it's all one calling on him and on the kings. They were his servants. If he will not send them, but I make no doubt he will, he is more likely, is he more likely to come himself? No, you're right there, said Nickerbrick. Aslan and the kings go together. Either Aslan is dead or he is not on our side or else something stronger than himself keeps him back. And if he did come, how do we know he'd be our friend? He was not always a good friend to dwarfs by that all that's told, not even to all beasts, ask the wolves. And anyway, he was in Narnia only once that I ever heard of, and he didn't stay long. He may drop Aslan out of the reckoning. I was thinking of someone else. There was no answer, and for a few minutes it was so still that Edmund could hear the wheezing and snuffling breath of the badger. Who do you mean? said Caspian at last. I mean a power so much greater than Aslan's that it held Narnia spellbound for years and years, if the stories are true. The White Witch? cried three voices all at once, and from the noise Peter guessed that three people had leaped to their feet. Yes, said Nickerbrick very slowly and distinctly. I mean the witch. Sit down again. Don't all take fright at a name as if you were children. We want power, and we want a power that will be on our side. As for power, do not the stories say that the witch defeated Aslan and bound him and killed him on that very stone which is over there just beyond the light? But they also say that he came back to life again, said the badger sharply. Yes, they say, answered Nickerbrook, but you'll notice that we hear precious little about anything he did afterward. He just fades out of the story. How do you explain that? If he really came to life, isn't it much more likely that he didn't? And the stories say nothing more about him because there was nothing more to say. He established the kings and queens, said Caspian. A king who has just won a great battle can usually establish himself without the help of a performing lion, said Nickerbrick. There was a fierce growl, probably from Truffle Hunter. And anyway, Nickerbrick continued, what came of the kings in their reign? They faded too, but it's very different with the witch. They say she ruled for a hundred years, a hundred years of winters. There's power, if you like. There's something practical. But heaven and earth, said the king, haven't we always been told that she was the worst enemy of all? Wasn't she a tyrant ten times worse than Miraz? Perhaps, said Nickerbrick in a cold voice. Perhaps she was for you humans. If there were any of you in those days, perhaps she was for some of the beasts. She stamped out the beavers, I dare say. At least there are none of them in Narnia now. But she got on all right with the dwarfs. I'm a dwarf, and I stand by my own people. We're not afraid of the witch. But you've joined with us, said Truffle Hunter. Yes, and a lot of good it has done my people so far, snapped Nickerbrick. Who is sent on all the dangerous raids? The dwarfs. Who goes short when the rations fail? The dwarfs. Who? Lies! All lies, the badger. And so, said Nickerbrick, whose voice now rose to a scream, If you can't help my people, I'll go to someone who can. Is this open treason, dwarf? asked the king. Put that sword back in its sheath, Caspian, said Nickerbrick. Murder at council, eh? Is that your game? Don't be a fool enough to try it. Do you think I'm afraid of you? There's three on my side and three on yours. Come on, then, snarled Truffle Hunter, but he was immediately interrupted. Stop, 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 said Dr. Cornelius. You go on too fast. The witch is dead. All the stories agree on that. What does Nickerbrick mean by calling on the witch? That gray and terrible voice, which had spoken only once before, said, Oh, is she? And then the thrill, whining voice began. 
Oh, bless his heart, his dear little majesty needn't mind about the white lady. That's what we call her, being dead. The worshipful master doctor is only making game of a poor old woman like me when he says that. Sweet master doctor, learned master doctor, whoever heard of a witch that really died, you can always get them back. Call her up, said the gray voice. We are all ready. Draw the circle, prepare the blue fire. Above the steadily increasing growl of the badger in Cornelius's sharp, What? rose the voice of King Caspian like thunder. So that is your plan, Nickerbrook? Black sorcery and the calling up of an accursed ghost? And I see who your companions are, a hag and a werewolf. The next minute or so was very confused. There was an animal roaring, a clash of steel, the boys and Trumpkin rushed in. Peter had a glimpse of a horrible gray, gaunt creature, half man and half wolf, in the very act of leaping upon a boy about his own age. And Edmund saw a badger and a dwarf rolling on the floor in a sort of cat fight. Trumpkin found himself face to face with the hag. Her nose and chin stuck out like a pair of nutcrackers. Her dirty gray hair was flying about her face, and she had just got Dr. Cornelius by the throat. At one slash of Trumpkin's sword, her head rolled on the floor. Then the light was knocked over, and it was all swords, teeth, claws, fists, and boots for about 60 seconds. Then silence. Are you all right, Ed? I think so, panted Edmund. I've got that brute Nickerbrick, but he's still alive. Weights and water bottles, came an angry voice. It's me you're sitting on. Get off. You're like a young elephant. Sorry, DLF, said Edmund. Is that better? Ow, no, bellowed Trumpkin. You're putting your boot in my mouth. Go away. Is King Caspian anywhere? asked Peter. I'm here, said a rather faint voice. Something bit me. They all heard the noise of someone striking a match. It was Edmund. The little flame showed his face, looking pale and dirty. He blundered about for a little, found the candle. They were no longer using lamp, for they had run out of oil. Set it on the table and lit it. When the flame rose clear, several people scrambled to their feet. Six faces blinked at one another into candlelight. We don't seem to have any enemies left, said Peter. There's the hag, dead. He turned his eyes quickly away from her. And Nickerbrick, dead too. And I suppose this thing is a werewolf. So long since I've seen one. Wolf's head and a man's body. That means he was just turning from man into wolf at the moment he was killed. And you, I suppose, are King Caspian? Yes, said the other boy, but I've no idea who you are. It's the high king, King Peter said Trumpkin. Your majesty is very welcome, said Caspian. And so is your majesty, said Peter. I haven't come to take your place, you know, but to put you into it. Your majesty, said another voice at Peter's elbow. He turned and found himself face to face with the badger. Peter leaned forward, put his arms around the beast and kissed the furry head. It wasn't a girlish thing for him to do because he was the high king. Best of badgers, he said. You never doubted us all through. No credit to me, your majesty, said Truffle Hunter. I'm a beast and we don't change. I'm a badger. What's more? And we hold on. I'm sorry for Nickerbrick, said Caspian. Though he hated me from the moment he saw me, he had gone sour inside from long suffering and hating. If we had won quickly, he might have become a good dwarf in the days of peace. I don't know which of us killed him. I'm glad of that. You're bleeding, said Peter. Yes, I'm bitten, said Caspian. It was that, that wolf thing. Cleaning and bandaging the wood took a long time, and when it was done, Trumpkin said, Now, before everything else, we want some breakfast.
But not here, said Peter. No, said Caspian with a shudder, and we must send someone to take away the bodies. Let the vermin be flung into a pit, said Peter, but the dwarf we will give to his people to be buried in their own fashion. They breakfasted at last in another of the dark cellars of Oslin's How. It was not such a breakfast as they would have chosen, for Caspian and Cornelius were thinking of venison pastries, and Peter and Edmund of buttered eggs and hot coffee. But everyone got was a little bit of cold bear meat out of the boys' pockets, a lump of hard cheese, an onion, and a mug of water. But from the way they fell to, anyone would have supposed it was delicious.'